are playing the piano and Sarah said it's good to see men are playing the piano and I think that's true. I think it's good good to see you out tonight. God bless you. You're probably feeling tired. I'm sure everybody was at a dawn service. Okay, let's turn to uh, Acts chapter number 18. Uh, I just have a devotional thought for you tonight, uh, so it'll be light. And, and I, you know, not, not unimportant, but just light. And I just thought, you know, a public holiday, uh, you're probably weary already, and, and uh, you know, you don't need anything heavy. So I just have something light. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for praying for us. Uh, I've got to leave again. I've only just got in. I've got to leave again next week. Uh, to uh, preach, uh, Lord willing, in America, uh, about three weeks back-to-back missions conference, some pastors you would know, Uh, but it's good to be here for a little bit of this week, and uh, Lord willing, uh, the weekend, we plan to be fellowshipping with you. Uh, So thank you. Thank you for praying. Uh, uh, Thank you for praying for our safety. Uh, I had my first car accident. Well, I was was a participant. I, I don't know I was the cause, but... But I was a participant, an unwilling participant in a car accident in Thailand. It was probably two or three weeks ago. And it was quite bad and uh, just really sort of unexpected. Uh, we had just replaced a vehicle that we'd had for sort of seven or eight years. Um, and we had just replaced it about three months ago. And, uh, in, you know, paying it off, but it replaced it. And a car just crossed the road. It was a very wide road. It wasn't a narrow road, it wasn't a highway, it was a very wide road, you know, and there was, uh, unusual for over there, but it was very wide, and uh, there was only two cars on the whole road. There was us, and uh, who I'll call him, uh, there was him, and, uh, and uh, it just thought Joe was driving, it was just Joe and I in the car, in Nakonsawan, and uh, the other car uh, hit a barrier, uh, on the uh, side of the road, which I don't know how you could do that, except you were uh, either you know drunk, drug affected, or asleep. And then uh, he hit the barrier, and then just immediately came you know on a sharp diagonal all the way across, sort of like a missile, uh, into the side of our car. And he was that was a del- his was a delivery vehicle, so it hit our car. He didn't even have his foot on the brake. I think he was still accelerating. So I hit our car, there was a very loud explosion and, and it, we spun around multiple times and, and it all happened very quick. But it was uh, rather unpleasant and, uh, and then he was just sitting there uh, trying to leave. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he was just going to flee. Uh, but uh, the, the police came who were uh, really of no help at all. Uh, none and um, uh, everybody went to the police station I went, I went home and let them, you know, back to my room let them take care of that went down to the police station they didn't, we had footage we have it all on film it's quite a spectacular piece of footage uh, they didn't ask to see the film uh, they never questioned the other driver as to why that had happened uh, they didn't ask him had he been drinking was he asleep they, they normally drug test they didn't do any of that and uh, so they fined him $12 and he went home. And so our car is now out of action for months and, uh, and there's a lot more complications. But anyway, Joe and I are okay, uh, thank God, apart from the mental trauma 
and uh, it shakes you a little bit. I don't know if you've been through one, you know, you know how it just kind of shakes you a little bit. But uh, God was good. God, God is watching over us. And uh, I'm sure he's done that many, many times. So some of our people were sort of doing the, uh, you know, the Asian thing of what does this mean? As in, you know, and, and I searched my heart, but I just didn't feel that God really brought anything to my mind. And I said to them, there's two ways you can look at it. You can either look at it like bad things are happening to us, or you can look at it, you know, how good was God in protecting us from things that lots of other people go through as well. So, you know, thank God. Thank you for praying. Don't ever think your prayers are in vain. It's just that you don't always know what your prayers are doing. Uh, but your prayer is an exercise of faith, as are other things. But your, your prayers really do a lot. Um, and we really uh, count on it, you know, here and abroad, but we really count on your prayers. And, and uh, who knows how often we've been delivered from things. Um, you know, many things happen, most of which we don't share. Uh, but uh, anyway, that one I know already had been shared, so i share that. Good to sing the national anthem at church. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be an Australian. Uh, I've travelled uh, different countries in the world, but I'm really glad to be an Australian. And I appreciate who we are. Uh, we, we are a, uh, you know, we have our own distinctives as a people. And uh, can I say that, you know, uh, history uh, has shown that Australians have been used of uh, God and also used, you know, far above the size of our population all over the world. Um, there, there's, um, we, we uh, by the grace of God, have been allowed to be used in different areas. It was, Australians were uh, instrumental in the liberation of Palestine uh, which enabled the Jews to return to their homeland. So, you know, that's a very significant event. And that was Australians who, who, who led that. Um, my grandfather was a rat of Tobruk, uh, if you don't know about that. Uh, that's a, a, a point of history, World War II, uh, Africa against Rommel, fought in Papua New Guinea, and obviously I have a son who's just come out of the military and... So, you know, today's an important day. I, I think it was uh, Paul Kelly of The Australian said today, the editor of The Australian, he said it's a day when we just should render uh, respect and remembrance to those who uh, have served. And, and it's really easy to take for granted uh, or just to not be mindful of how we got the things we have. You know, to just not, not connect up the dots that it could have been really different for us. And uh, so it's, it's, I'm glad to be an Australian. I'm glad to be an Australian Christian. Uh, I really am. I'm, I, I love my American brethren. They're, they're very kind to me. I'm glad to be their co-labourers. But I'm an Australian Christian. Uh, I was saved in this country. Um, you know, it was people here, it was other Australians who told me uh, about how to get to heaven and believe, and I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, and I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad for our country. And I know there's been a lot of changes, and, and many of us have, uh, you know, concerns, and I don't think they're unfounded about the direction of many things. But on a day like today, I'm just glad to be Australian. I'm thankful for all those who uh, served uh, in other places, 
Uh, you know, we lost uh, 61,516 is the figure they, they give in World War I. Uh, when you think about that, uh, was it a couple of thousand lost in the World Trade Center and how that just shook the world? Uh, can you imagine losing 61,500 uh, of your finest young people when your population base wasn't even what it was today? There wasn't any family not, not touched or didn't know someone and that's why all those memorials are in all those small towns across Australia, because when those memorials were erected, people knew those boys and they knew, they knew about that. And so 61,500 World War I, uh, 39,648 in uh, World War II, and then since then, uh, the Korean War, uh, the war in Vietnam, and then... Uh, uh, recently operations in the Middle East, Afghanistan uh, and Iraq. And so a lot of people have served. I, I think as Christians we should be at the forefront of being the people appreciative to those who have served and are serving uh, to this day. I was in America in, um, in Idaho uh, years ago and there was another preacher I knew, an older man. He was, uh, he, he'd been preaching the same meeting as I. And we just, just happened to overlap at a, a sort of not an expensive, but a, a restaurant in the area. And uh, when we left the restaurant, and this is the first time I'd seen this. Uh, this was a few years ago. When we left the restaurant, that old man, uh, he walked up to the counter. And there was a couple of, couple of uniformed uh, boys there uh, eating their food. And he went up to the counter, this uh, missionary, and he paid for their meal. And uh, he made sure he did that. And then he just walked over and just said, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, and, you know, it was simple, and he left the restaurant. But that impacted me. And I thought, you know, I should be more, I should do more. I I'm thankful, but if I get opportunity to do more. So I think as Christians, we should be at the, the, the forefront of showing appreciation for those who serve and, uh, and just being uh, mindful of all of that. Uh, I have uh, a portion of a verse, and it'll tie into what I just said. Acts uh, chapter 18, I'd like to read from verse 9, and I'll just come back to it in a moment. It said, Then spake, Acts 18, verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, uh, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. And I just want to just... Uh, maybe give a few thoughts on, well, uh, connected with speak and hold not thy peace. Uh, the men who we spoke of who went to the war and to sacrifice, uh, most of them were volunteers. Uh, you know, we've had conscription, but uh, most of them were volunteers and, and they probably went for different reasons, but, but you know, it could, it's fair to say that they also considered it their duty to go uh, in light of uh, prevailing world events. So whatever that was in World War I, World War II, uh, they volunteered, they considered it their duty to go. And uh, I think, uh, you know, being mindful of that today, particularly Anzac Day and uh, the sacrifice, uh, I just want to give you, you know, three simple things, and they really are simple, uh, simply on this question, um, tonight, as an Australian Christian, uh, what can you do uh, that would help Australia? 
as an Australian Christian. Now, I understand that there are many people here uh, who were not born here, uh, but if you, if, you, if you have committed yourself to being here, then you've thrown your lot in with us and our, our end will be your end. So we are, we're all in it together. And, uh, and uh, as Australian believers, uh, what is it that we can do for Australia? Now, God said to Paul here, uh, speak and hold not thy peace. And you should have that you know, underlined in your Bible, speak and hold not your peace. Now, God was not, God was not, uh, God was not asking Paul, as in what do you think about this? God was telling Paul. Uh, you, you, you must speak and uh, you, you, must not, you must not hold it in. And I think we need to remind ourselves uh, tonight that we have a duty uh, before God. It is, not, it is not an optional approach to the faith to decide uh, if you would speak uh, up and for the things of God. Uh, you do not get to choose your opportunities. I understand that. And you can't make anybody listen to you who doesn't want to listen to you. But laying aside all the, uh, you know, the, the, the what-ifs and the, the difficulties, the fact of it is there are many, many occasions when God puts us in a place where we have ample opportunity and indeed duty to speak and to not hold our peace. It is fundamental to our walk with God and to the way that God uses to reach people around the world that we speak uh, the things of God and we speak up about Christ and for Christ. And um, I don't know about you, but this is something we discuss in our family. Uh, this, is, this is something that is not just, uh, we, we talk about it as a family, that, just, that it's important. We just keep it before each other that uh, this, this is our duty. God told Paul, he didn't ask him to speak and not hold his peace. Um, you know, in the Lord's cause, in the service of the Lord, uh, there isn't the working class and the ruling class. That's not, uh, that's not biblical. Uh, in, the, in the cause of the Lord, in the duty to, to get the seed of the gospel out near and afar, the Bible says that we are all laborers together with God. So there isn't anybody here tonight who's not a laborer, but who's a director of laborers. Is anybody here tonight uh, who would say, well, it, it's, not, it's not my part. I, I have no requirement to do that. Uh, on the contrary, you have a commandment from God to speak, to not hold your peace and to get the gospel out. In 1 Corinthians 3.9, we read, we are laborers together with God. In Matthew 21 and verse 28, uh, and you can read it in context of the, the question, but we read, son, uh, go work today in my vineyard. Son, go work today 
in my vineyard. So what can you do that would help Australia and uh, would, be, would be a good thing for Australia? Well, number one, you can try to win and disciple one person for the Lord. Now, it just would be scandalous if anyone thought uh, that that was too big an ask. It, just would be, it would just be scandalous and we would really need to examine our heart and our view of the faith if we thought that somehow that, that would not be a good thing for us to do, something we shouldn't do. You know, if, uh, if, if in uh, one year, if, if you are able to win one person, I mean, just somewhere in the year, uh, through your sowing of the seed and just, just the opportunities that are given, you do your best. If in one year, you could win one person and then ensure that that person is discipled. And uh, that is really necessary because we want them saved, but we want them to know what they believe and we want them grounded in the faith. And if you are able to be used of God in, in a year, in 12 months between your going to work, uh, running your family, you know, picking up the kids, uh, doing the stuff you do at home, trying to survive and all, all of that that God understands you need to do, but but if you were conscious that if you, you, and prayerful that God would just allow you to, to meet someone somewhere uh, that you could connect with, that, that, that you would have a chance to just share the gospel just from you, uh, not you trying to be someone else, uh, not, 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 you're not selling Amway, uh, you don't have to be a salesman, you might be awkward, but if you're authentic and you believe what you're saying, uh, that will be powerful in itself. And then God will take that, and as you speak forth the things that are true, God won't hang that person's convincing on your ability. God will convince them by working inside of them by the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to be, you don't have to be a salesperson you don't have to be really clever with the way you, you sort of get to them. If you just will authentically speak what is true, and I hope you know it's true, and I hope you really believe it, uh, then God can take that. And can you imagine if you could just, if all of us, if it was our prayer that in a, a year, if we started from now and said, well, Lord, by this time next year, uh, surely there must be one somewhere that I, could, that I could tell about you and, and that they would get saved. And then I could, I could commit myself, if I didn't disciple them myself, but to make sure they were getting discipled, to, to follow it through and make sure. It just wouldn't seem that hard, really. Uh, you know, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a teenager, in Thailand they say, which is all that encompasses the thought of a teenager, if you're a teenager, you have a time to reach people your age now. Uh, but, but that'll pass and, you know, those people get older with you, I understand. But, but I'm just saying you have a particular connectivity now that maybe someone, you know, uh, older perhaps doesn't have quite... They might be more dismissive with someone older 
because they might think, well, that's just you or, you know, whatever. That's just because you're older. Curtis is studying maths, joy or delight at uh, QUT and uh, doing okay. And uh, he came home the other night and he was studying, his, I know he's on calculus now, but he was doing some other maths and he came home and he said, he said in the class it felt a bit funny today, they told a story, the professor told a story uh, and it was a maths illustration. But the story was that there was a nobleman in a far land who, uh, who had a daughter who was uh, blind and the nobleman said, if anyone in the kingdom, or the, the, the leaders, if anyone in the kingdom can heal my blind daughter, uh, then I will give you, you know, anything that you would want. And so a magician, it's a story, a magician uh, appeared and healed the, the daughter of her blindness. And being amazed, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the leader said, okay, what, what would you like your reward to be? And the, noble, uh, the magician looked over at a chessboard. And a chessboard has 64 squares, 32 black and 30, 32 white. And uh, he looked over to the chessboard and took a, a grain of wheat, a single grain of wheat. And he put it on one of the squares. And he said, what I want you to give me is uh, I want you to double that on every square of the chessboard. And that will be my reward. And of course, they looked at that and thought, you know, what is that all? But one grain of wheat on a square, then of course, the second square you have two, and then the third square you'd have four. And if you, if you do if you do if you do the maths, and it was a maths question, if you do the maths over sixty-four squares, working on that principle, uh, you end up with a. Uh, pile would be an understatement, you end up with an amount of wheat uh, equivalent to Mount Everest three times. And now I said to Curtis when he shared that, I said, I said uh, apply that principle to winning people to Christ. That if everybody won one, if we just started now, if, if we just started from, if we just said, well, we can't go back but we'll just start now. Uh, if everybody in one year won one person to Christ and you disciple them and then you get through the year and you say, okay, for you and I, let's really pray now in the next year that you can win one and I can win one. And you just kept doing that. Uh, it's incredible that in a you know, relatively, not a long period of time, uh, you, know, you, you would reach the world's population. So, so it's really important uh, to speak and not to hold your peace. Uh, I, I think soul winning slips because I believe the devil just keeps us busy with our life. And, uh, and it's not that what we're doing is not valuable. It, it is important. And, and I'm sure many of you, you know, you work very hard and you're tired and it's all legitimate and, and I think it's Christ honouring. But we must not forget the chief thing uh, that this is all about is reaching people for Christ. Everything else will go by the wayside. Uh, I'm not saying your service will not count, but, 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 but everything, most things that we do here, it's not that we don't have to do them, but they will not 
they, they don't bring an eternal yield beyond maybe your faithfulness in doing it. But winning people to Christ is the, is the core, it's the heartbeat of God. God is not trying to um, renew the world. He's trying to save people uh, who cannot be saved any other way. And God can use you. And, and, of course, in doing that, it's not only the right thing to do biblically, but it's great for the country. Uh, I don't like to you know, rain on anybody's party, but Canberra is not the answer. I mean, they just look at us. If you've been here long enough, you just realise how decrepit things presently are. If you've just been here long enough to compare even with what we had before that we thought was decrepit, uh, we keep reaching new, 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 new low. You know, I'm just saying that the hope of the nation uh, is, in, is in winning people to Christ. And you could do a great deal. You know, our failure to win the world really comes down to a failure to just win one. You know, our, our failure to reach the world, it, it, it just really comes down to, to not even reaching one. And uh, it, probably the tragedy is that it's, it would not even be something that many Christians are all that conscious of. And that's more alarming. I'm just saying we need to pray. Uh, you know, winning one like that would change our, our nation, change our church, uh, families. Too many Christians have placed ease above evangelism. And we need to get back that. It's my experience, if you have a genuine desire, that's what starts there. God, please help me to, to reach somebody, please. Lord, there has, to, there has to be one. And I don't know where they are, Lord. And I'm kind of awkward at this. But please, God, please. Someone, Lord, one. And if you have a genuine desire and then you pray about it and then you just love people, just, 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 just love people, and when times you speak, then you can overcome a lot of things to win people to Christ. You can overcome different cultures and I can bear testimony to that. You can overcome preconceived prejudices where people are already thinking things that are really wrong before you even speak. All that can be overcome by, by a genuine desire, uh, a sincere prayer, uh, authentic love, and then just speaking what's true. That's what you could do for Australia and for Jesus. Number two, you could model out and live out the faith as sincerely as you can. And I think many of you are doing that. Uh, at work, be a Christian. Just, just try to be authentically a Christian um, at home. You don't have to be perfect because the faith doesn't hinge on your perfection. But just be real. Uh, we just need to be authentically living out our faith and our, at our work and with our families. And can I say this without someone saying, oh, you're kicking me. Uh, can I say that we're not even holding our own children many times? And, uh, and I don't, you know, that's, that's not a criticism of anybody's, uh, you know, anything. But, but I'm just saying we, 
we need to be holding our own children and, uh, and trying to reach others as well. Uh, but, but I can't tell you, as I've, I've been here, and Mrs Blake and others have been here longer than me, but as I've been here and looked back through the years, and with, with, not with any criticism, uh, you know, I'm not kicking anyone, my boots fell off a long time ago, okay? I don't, I don't really have them anymore. But um, I'm just saying that a lot of people, you know, they're kids that, that, that they're just, you know, not even... Probably many of them are not saved, and that's a hard thing for a parent to digest because no one wants to think that that could be true. But, but really, likely, if, they're, if, they, if they show no interest in the Lord and they're not in church and, and he's not on their conversation and they're not, you know, they're living really no different to anyone else, they're probably not saved. Uh, whatever they said they did when they were seven at Sunday school class, likely. And I'm not the one to judge it. The Lord would judge it. But, but I think I'd rather err on the side of a prayer that God would, would get into their hearts and, and draw them to Christ. Uh, we need to be holding our families. We need to be holding our children. And we need to be living out our faith. Uh, that would be a great thing to do for Australia. And lastly, number three, we need to see the importance and value of the church, the local church, uh, to the Lord and to our nation and to the future. And uh, church, and I'm talking to, you know, look, thoroughly decent, good people sitting in church on Wednesday night um, of the Anzac Day, Remembrance Day, and here you are in church. I know I'm speaking to probably the best of the best, uh, but let it be said that we need to, to remind ourselves of the importance and the value of the church, of the local church. Uh, as we lose churches in Australia, uh, we go backwards. That's the truth. At, uh, you can plot one against the other. Uh, as churches have gone, um, and that's been through, uh, you know, I guess people not being reached and, and whatever, but they're gone the nation does not move closer to God. It moves much further away. That's just the truth. I heard the Anglican Church in Tasmania announced this week that they are selling half of their churches and their assets, half, are going for sale uh, to pay off their uh, obligations under the child um, molestation that occurred under their watch. Uh, but, you know, just think about that. And they, they flicked through just some of their assets and I kept looking at all of those church buildings across many, many small towns and such in Tasmania. And I used to live there for a little while. And I've seen a lot of those buildings and they're all going to be sold off. And, uh, you know, that's not good. That's, that's, and maybe, maybe for them there's not much there now, but I'm just saying it's, the church is really important for the country. We, we need more churches. We, we, don't, we don't need less. We need, we need more churches preaching the gospel. So um, you need to be... Is that book over there? Do I leave that book there? Can, can you bring that to me? So, so we need to be faithful. I just want to show you something. We need to be faithful in our church attendance. Thank you. Uh, and, and understand that the church is, is really important and it's important to God. So this book, 
which is expensive now, is called Explore the Book. Some of you probably, probably have it. And the author is a man called J. Sidlow Baxter. So J. Sidlow Baxter is dead now. He's a pastor of, and he's, he's, he's quite renowned. He's been dead for quite a while, a while. And he wrote this book, and this book gets used all over the world. It's an overview of the scriptures. It's a really good book. Uh, Sidlow Baxter was, a, was, a, uh, was a trained in Spurgeon's College. Uh, Spurgeon was long gone, but he was trained in Spurgeon's College and pastored in a number of places and wrote this book and about 30 others. And it's a good book. And he's a well-known name, J. Sidlow Baxter. And the reason I brought that book here is because as I was thinking about this thing of the importance of the local church and you continuing to be faithful in the local church. Uh, you know Gilbert who sits over there and is, I don't know his age, but he's older. And Gilbert sits over there and, can I say, shuffles in and shuffles out, you know. Uh, so Gilbert was baptised as a child by J. Sidlow Baxter. So J. Sidlow Baxter baptised Gilbert. And Gilbert sat under his ministry and was grounded in the faith. And so Gilbert is still sitting in our church uh, on Sunday morning. Now, that's an example of someone who has stayed faithful to the local church for a long, you know, to, to their, you know, their life. And there are others who have been here. Some remain, some are in heaven. But that should be our goal. That should be our goal, that we do not forsake the local church, that we understand the church matters to Jesus. And if you say you love Jesus, you can't say the church, you can't be dismissive of the church. The local church uh, is, is incredibly important to, to the Lord in this time. Uh, as much as Israel was, they're not the same, but as much as Israel was in, uh, you know, and will be again, but... The local church is really the centre of God's working and the people in the church. So, you know, plan, that, that's what you can do for Australia, for yourself and for the Lord, is plan to be faithful to the local church. Uh, be here till the, till the end. Uh, I heard on uh, Sunday morning, you know, Trish was out, Trish Lloyd was out in church and uh, greeted a number after, uh, you know, well, it's just a good record of faithfulness despite uh, a lot of things. And, and, and I, I just want us to, to, to be resilient in being part of the local church. Uh, you know, the devil will use people to get you out of church. Uh, he will use circumstances, events in your life to get you out of church, to have you stop being in church. He'll use discouragement because when you get really discouraged, you won't feel like coming to church. And, and then if your discouragement is coming from somewhere, you know, within the church, well, that'll really work to want to get you out. And I, I just want to say that you must be resilient beyond that. You must, you, must be, you must understand that for Jesus, for the nation, for yourself... Stay faithful in church. Don't get put out of church. A mum and dad out of church for any reason 
must understand that your children will be impacted far more than yourself. You're doing, you're doing, I'm sure not willingly, but you're doing great, great damage to your children when you're not in church and uh, if worse, if you're speaking ill of church, uh, that's just a very, very bad thing to do. And all of us are going to get challenged on this. We're all going to have some things happen to us that might be legitimately unfair. We're all, we're all going to be misjudged or, or someone's going to make presumptions about us that we, we will feel wounded about. And, 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 and it's going to happen to every one of us. Okay? And, and that's when you have to be more resilient than those events. You've got to be stronger than that and say, look, I, I'm, not in, I, I'm in church because it's the Lord's. It's where he wants me to be. And I need to be faithful. And I've got to be, I've got to be stronger than my feelings. And believe me, I know what it's like when you just feel like you don't want to face anybody. And you just feel like, I just, I just don't want to come out and even have to You've got to be better than that and understand the importance of the local church. It's really, really important. And then as I finish, you need to give through the local church. Uh, Everybody should be tithing. If you're not a tithing Christian, you are in a state of disobedience regarding your finances. Uh, it's, 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 It's abundantly clear in the scriptures. Somebody's told you, oh, that's Old Testament. They lied to you. Uh, It's way before the state of Israel. It's after. Uh, It's essential. Our tithe belongs to the local church for distribution to the Lord's work. And part of coming here on the first day of the week, and Sunday is the first day of the week, is to bring your tithe and to present it before the Lord. Young people, when you get a job, uh, you make sure you pull your tithe out first. Not your savings for your motorcycle, your car, your credit card debt that you ran up. None of that. You, you, God is first and you pay him first. And you pull that out first. And you pull your tithe out and you put it in the local church. And if you start right and just stay to it, you'll keep going. And give, give your tithes and offerings. Uh, there are those of us on the mission field, there are people saved There were new people in church last Sunday in Thailand hearing the gospel and very close to getting saved. None of that would be happening without the offerings to missionaries that come through local churches. Uh, I have no other support than that which comes through local churches. And it all hinges on the faithfulness of God's people and their burden to see the the lost reach. And so, so that's part of keeping our church strong, our tithes, our offerings, support for our pastor. He's not here tonight. He's unwell. And that's kind of good because I can, you know, I can say support for our pastor. Uh, Look, a lot of people end up leaving church uh, over personality things and disagreements with people. And sometimes it's a pastor. And I'm, I'm talking about when I've been a pastor. And I know there are people who left just because of me. Uh, and, and how do you know that? Because they came back after I left. And, <laughs> and, you know, and they let it be known that, that I was the reason that they were leaving. And you say, what did you do to them? Oh, well, look, there's a big list. I, you'd have to... It's just... It's really a long list. Apparently, I did everything. 
I did lots of things to lots of people. And probably half of it might have been true, I'm not sure. But, but the point of it is, we've got to be better than that. Yeah. You know, we've got to be better than that. And we've got, to, we've got to be in church for more reasons than that. It doesn't matter who your pastor is, uh, and we've got a good one. It doesn't matter who your pastor is. A pastor's a man. Uh, men cannot entirely escape their personality, their preferences. They, they, but if you've got a man of God, and we've got one, who comes to the pulpit and says, turn in your Bible, and then, and then after his prayers and studies does his best to articulate and be used of God uh, to, to, to help us and preach and teach the word of God. And then not only that, uh, not just the pulpit, but comes in here through the week and has many people come and offload their burdens and their criticisms and, and doesn't get to share that with everybody. And, and if we have someone like that who genuinely cares uh, about what pleases God, about honouring the scriptures, uh, about, about you know, wanting to help people, about people being saved in other places, about the gospel getting out. Look, if you have someone like that, you already have a treasure. So we don't want to get hung up on, you know, look, there hasn't been anyone who's pastored here who hasn't had, to, you know, disaffected people. Uh, you know, b- before I came, uh, I can remember back to Sidney Hunter, uh, who was a man of God, but some people didn't like him. And then there was Brother Blake, and he was a man of God, and some people said things about him. And then I came along and whatever I was, they said some things about me. And I'm just saying that's just what happens when you lead a volunteer organisation to the best of your ability. It's just not always easy. So, but because we love the church and we love our country and we know how important it is for our church to continue, let's do our best to really strengthen our pastor as well. And uh, be patient with the pastor and understand that, you know, all the things that affect you affect him. And, uh, and let's be loving and let's be supportive and not be insincere, but let's look for ways that we can strengthen him because we need our church and we need our church to still be being faithful. I want our church to, to be going right up to the rapture or, or if I go out first, that's fine. Um, I, I want the church to keep going. I want to tell my children to be faithful in church. Um, my daughter works in the school. She counts that a great honour and, uh, and because it's our local church school. And I just think we just ought to understand that's what we can do for our country if we can win someone to Christ, uh, if we can just live out our faith in a sincere way, and thirdly, if we can understand the importance of the local church and it continuing. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. Andrew has a prayer request.